To love learning. To laugh. To love. To be loved. To see beauty. To understand. To bring grace. To the things that matter most. This is Psychology America with Dr. Alexandra. Welcome to my show. For every life stage, we have questions. Let's enhance our lives together as we explore the things that matter most. I met Jennifer Campbell in San Francisco this past August, where she presented on the topic of psilocybin at the American Psychological Association's annual convention. Psilocybin is a popular recreational drug derived from certain mushrooms. Cutting-edge research has found that it's helped people with cancer to be relieved of their existential pain, depression, and anxiety. Psilocybin has also been found to have great results with treating treatment-resistant depression. I asked Jennifer if she would come onto the show to share this research with listeners. Jennifer also shared about ayahuasca, another hallucinogen, which is drank as a tea and the experience of folks attending South American ayahuasca retreats. Please note that I am a doctoral level psychologist, not a physician. All personal medical decisions made on the basis of information from today's podcast should be discussed in full with your physician. So Jennifer, I had the pleasure of meeting you in San Francisco. How was your experience of the city? Uh, it was a really great experience. I really enjoyed APA. Um, it was my first time attending, so that was really exciting overall. That was my first time in San Francisco for myself. Yes, yes, me too, in the city in general, definitely. I could not believe the Golden Gate Bridge. It was magnificent. Yeah, it's a, it's a really neat city. So much, um, so much like eclectic culture and art. It was, it was really neat. Yes. So today we're going to talk about psilocybin. Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted to begin with the basic question for listeners. What is it? What is psilocybin? Okay. So psilocybin is basically the chemical name for the, the active compound that we find in magic mushrooms. That's the more popular name um, that people may be familiar with the substance by, particularly from the 60s and whatnot. So, but um, it is illegal. Yes, it is an illegal substance. Yes, absolutely. In the United States, it's illegal. Um, even though it's been a popular recreational drug for decades, um, it's some interest in terms of research has popped up again over the last um, 30 years. Yes. And uh, the research was really, I loved hearing about it at your excellent presentation. And um, I was particularly interested in um, some of the work that's been found about cancer patients. And cancer patients experience so much, well, 30 to 40% of them can experience depression and anxiety and existential pain. We can certainly understand that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, psilocybin, well, tell us about, tell the listeners what psilocybin has been found to do. So in the controlled setting, um, a single dose, uh, a moderate level dose of psilocybin um, in conjunction with psychotherapy um, appeared to have a pretty strong antidepressant um, 
and anti-anxiety effects in about 60 to 80% of the sample, which is pretty profound. And there was a, a marked decrease in the cancer-related demoralization and existential distress, like as you touched on, um, and also an improvement in the quality of life and the attitudes towards death overall. It helped them accept the idea of death and reframe it. I guess that would be a good way to put it, Re- reframes it for them. Yeah, I, I took a look at the actual study and As I was reading it, of course, I felt compassion for the participants. They were all stage three and four Mm -hmm. cancer patients, and all of them had anxiety, right? To be a part of this study, they already had anxiety, and they took one dose of psilocybin. Yes. And that's remarkable to have one dose, because if they were to just take a regular antidepressant, let's say... It, it could take 30 days to kick in. Right. How quickly did it show up? How quickly did the improvement show from, from one dose of psilocybin? Um, usually when someone takes psilocybin, they're going to notice effects within the hour of taking yeah. it. And generally speaking, um, the active phase is a few hours. Like there are after effects in terms of attitudes and um, openness that endure following the dose. So, um, you know, one dose um, to say it has immediate effects is, is accurate, but it also has some sustained effects, it appears, over time. Yes. Well, in this particular study of cancer patients, I think I remember reading that the effects were enduring. Certainly in other studies as well, we found that there are, um, there's endured um, benefits, like even at the one year mark for many people. So, um, so what, what do they notice one year later? Things like the domain of openness. Um, and again, that existential um, uh, distress going away and acceptance and mindfulness, these kind of things seem to remain um, following the use of psilocybin. So, You're referring to one of the core personality traits that psychologists have studied forever. And those are, just for listeners, their conscientiousness, openness to experience, agreeableness, extroversion, and neuroticism. And openness to experience, openness to new experience is one of the dimensions. And what that would mean for any of us would be how inventive or curious are you as opposed to being cautious and consistent and to be more open to new experience would be that would mean that you're you're appreciating new adventures more and new ideas and you're more curious and more creative and more imaginative so i think you're saying that psilocybin improves openness to new experience. Yes, yes. And, and that's that was um, specifically people who reported a mystical experience um, associated with taking it. Those were the ones who really found um, that their openness basically expanded and changed. I thought I looked at um, one of the studies about that. And uh, I think what was very interesting about it to me, Jennifer, was that Usually, as far as core personality traits, studies have found that they're pretty set by age 30. Mm -hmm. But with a single dose of psilocybin, that dimension could change. 
Right. And that's so very interesting, um, particularly when you consider um, personality research and a lot of the the ideas about what's fixed and what's not. And I think it speaks to how psilocybin, it really pulls the person out of their known reality because it, it kind of throws you into into a, a place where you're you're having to accept things or, or think about things or you see things very differently. And um, I think it it really shakes the ground that you stand on, so to speak. So um, well, why, why do you think that happens? Like what is happening in the brain that it would do that? So in terms of um, studies, as far as like what's going on in the brain when you take psilocybin, um, a lot of fMRI data has shown that um, following psilocybin, your brain will create numerous new connections and a lot of them dissipate pretty quickly. Um, when you think about the hallucinations or um, synesthesias that people can experience when they're taking psilocybin, you know, these are short-lived, they're temporary, but then there are some other connections that are pretty stable um, over time. And um, it's not fully understood yet, but it seems as though psilocybin taps into um, our brain plasticity and it kind of shakes things up a little and and it makes new connections, and it certainly presents the opportunity for the brain to to make new connections that weren't potentially there. So it's kind of like um, challenging um, thoughts, but almost throwing your brain to do so, like it's forcing your brain into that position where it has to challenge what it thinks is real and what isn't. Yeah, I, I remember from your presentation, it's as if the brain is reaching, making connections, um, different parts of the brain are connecting that have not connected before. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Um, and it's uh, one researcher, um, he basically uh, used the metaphor that it's like kind of shaking a snow globe up. It's like all the parts are there and they've always been there, but it just, it throws everything around for a minute and then it kind of resettles. So it's, um, it's really interesting because there's these, you know, the mystical experience impacting outcomes, but then there's also these pretty clear um, brain connection um, brain connections having an impact and, and neurotransmitters. So it's, um, it's, it's a really interesting substance in terms of how it works. It seems to be multifactorial. One of my listeners was concerned about getting stuck in it. She'd had a bad experience with medication and, and she asked me to ask what it was like for those, you know, could you get stuck in a trip? Well, there's certain populations that shouldn't use hallucinogens. Um, I mean, even in, in clinical settings, um, certainly if, um, you know, there's a history of psychotic uh, disorders, um, you should probably stay away from this, this route in terms of if you wanted to enroll in a clinical trial. But uh, in terms of um, like a bad trip there, um, from my understanding is that uh, there really isn't any um, evidence that there's long-term harm or that people have long-term, you know, physical harm or, or psychological harm following the use of psilocybin. It's, it's re- arguably one of the safer uh, substances out there. I read that it's uh, not addictive. Uh, correct, correct. It's, there's nothing in it that's going to really, you know, put someone at risk of habituation. But again, um, that's kind of subjective too. If someone wants to rely on anything, I, I suppose they could, but, um, right. Like I, ice cream. Not, 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you know, still, psilocybin itself is not something that you're going to go into an acute withdrawal from. Um, that being said, um, you know, people who microdose with it, they have noticed that they will, you know, they may develop depression when they stop microdosing after a certain number of days or weeks. Um, so there is that. I mean, but that's also similar to um, to a prescription medication as well. Right. Well, I have a friend who, after he went through his divorce and immediately after he was he was going through a mourning and he remembers feeling so down that it was the spring. He lived on the east coast of the United States. And those of us in the northeast, when the spring comes, we're so excited after mm-hmm. winter. <laughs> you know, when the first day of spring comes, everyone is so happy. Right. And it was the first day of spring. And he looked out at the beautiful weather in the sky. And he felt nothing. Mm-hmm. And, um, in our field, when someone has depression and they have the symptom of a lack of pleasure or a mm-hmm. lack of interest in normally rewarding things, it's called anhedonia. Right. And, um, I read that psilocybin can be helpful with this. Yes. Yes. Um, that one's, uh, that's also a really interesting, um, area of research. You know, when we think about how SSRIs induce emotional blunting, um, and, you know, in terms of anhedonia amongst treatment resistant people, um, psilocybin, I think partially because it it targets different parts of the receptors, but also again, that mystical element to it. Um, it seems to, uh, it, 15 out of 20 people have found that it. um, it helped them reconnect emotionally and reach a point of acceptance with circumstance that they didn't have before. And the effects were immediate. So they so could, they could feel again. Yes. Their emotional face processing was also improved, which is, um, you know, improved emotional face processing is also correlated with reduced anhedonia. So it tended again, yeah. that whole brain connectivity, it just, it shakes things up and it's, you're allowed to your your brain is allowed to make those connections. You begin to feel again, and and yeah. it engages you differently. Yeah. So, and what you're referring to is when patients are very depressed, they have a lag in processing emotions. So they yeah. can see all different faces, like a face of disgust or anger or happiness or surprise, and there's a lag in their ability to say, "Oh, that means they're happy." Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and um. <laughs> That's sort of the dullness and the blunting that, that's yeah. part of that. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, no, no. That, that's, I, uh, that's great. I mean, that's great that you provide that, that extra that background information on that. Um, yes. And, and what's so interesting, too, is that people who, um, who have tried psilocybin, um, one of their observations might be that they, they suddenly see colors really sharply and there's like a slight aura around things like things have like a glow and it, I think it, it, it helps people feel that, that warmth and that connection to the environment that they feel very disconnected from. And like when you're, you're saying your friend looked out at this beautiful spring day and felt nothing, mm-hmm. that synesthesia and that, that visual field change, it can kind of reconnect people with that, that mystical, magical feeling of, ugh, you know, life's in front of me. Yeah. So that's part of what they're studying is um, 
depressed patients and the impact of psilocybin doses, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And the results so far are promising. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Um, There's been people, I recently read a study about um, an individual who has Parkinson's disease and um, his depression was so severe that that's why he was on disability, not for the Parkinson's. And um, he was microdosing and he was able to feel functional and, and manage his life again. And um, that's pretty profound when someone's, you know, has Parkinson's and, and depression and their disability is because of the profound depression. To see a reversal in that is pretty remarkable. And this was an individual who wasn't responding to SSRIs. So who's doing most of the research right now on this? Which universities? There are a few areas, um, there are a few schools, there's also a few organizations. Um, there is anyone who's interested in, in looking up different trials can also go to clinical trials, um, I believe it's .gov. Um, and then there's another organization, I'd have to look it up and, and let you know, but there's um, sure. a, a, another one named MAPS, they do a lot of um, psychedelic research. and But it's illegal. Yes, it is currently illegal. Um, that being said, um, with all the ongoing research, we may see a shift in terms of being able to uh, create a legitimate, um, you know, psychopharmacological intervention using psilocybin or guidelines to use it. Um, and that's kind of the whole idea: is how do we pull this into um, the legal, safe, and clinical world um, in a in a useful way? That's um, not emphasized recreationally like in the past. Right. And you mentioned that you've also studied ayahuasca. Yes, I've just recently started doing a bit of research into that as well. Can you tell listeners what that is and what the difference is between these two? So ayahuasca, it's also a hallucinogen and it's been used by millennia for Numerous populations in South America, um, indigenous Amazonian shamans have used ayahuasca to heal physical, emotional, and spiritual wounds within their communities. This brew basically contains the active compound DMT and also MAOIs, which blocks the enzyme that would normally break down DMT. Okay, so that's the, that's the key, and it's it's kind of amazing that these tribes and you know some in like preliterate chemistry essentially mixed two plants together that were the perfect combination to to induce these effects. Um, oh, I'm sorry, ayahuasca is a mix of two plants. Yes, it is a brew. Oh, it's a um, brew. Okay. Yes, it's a brew. It's kind of like a tea. It's very there's various um, recipes in terms of like viscosity, um, but basically there's a, a vine and then there's also um, leaves from another tree, and um, these come together. There's DMT basically and MAOIs, natural MAOIs, and this creates a synergistic effect where it slows that DMT breakdown because DMT otherwise dissipates very quickly in the body. So it slows it down when you ingest it. Profound and long um, hallucinogen, like hallucinogen effects, like for hours. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty remarkable. Um, pretty scary if you if you are not prepared for it. Um, certainly, everyone should do their research um, if they're ever thinking about doing that. But well, what? Why would people do it? What is that experience? What does it? What's it like for people? So ayahuasca, um, a lot of people who have, have gone down to South America to 
um, to use ayahuasca and undergo like a healing ritual. They say uh, it's been it's one of the most profound experiences of their lives. And people who were, you know, severely depressed and suicidal have um, have remarkable turnarounds. And that's not to say it's a, a miracle substance, um, but for some people, they really feel it is, and uh, it, it produces really, um, really strong and and encompassing hallucinogen effects, and people have. Um, mystical experiences and and um, visual hallucinations that really challenge their their current way of thinking and, and existing, and it, it tends to um, provide people an opportunity for a, a, a deep and profound level of self understanding. So they go to South America mm-hmm. and they find who that. <laughs> Trying to understand this. Yes, so uh, they um, you would have to find um, a shaman who does this. Now that being said, there are um, ayahuasca retreats that are um, catered toward Americans who want to go down because again, ayahuasca uh, there's the legality is a bit fuzzy, um, but DMT is illegal in the states, so you, you can't you cannot ingest ayahuasca here unless you're part of a very specific religious group, and even then, it's a bit fuzzy about. Um, whether or not that's legal or not for everyone. Um, But in any event, um, there are ayahuasca retreats and um, they're led by a shaman, um, a traditional shaman. And you uh, essentially go through one or several um, ayahuasca ceremonies. And there's usually one per day. And um, there's often uh, drumming and chanting that goes on as well. And it provides people an opportunity to, to have that traditional healing experience versus the Western healing experience, which emphasizes medicine or our medicine, because that's ayahuasca is medicine to the indigenous Amazonian people. Are there safety risks for people doing that? There are. There are um a litany of medications you cannot be taking before you you ingest ayahuasca because you could be at risk of serotonin syndrome. So in terms of anyone who's interested in exploring ayahuasca tourism, there um, a reputable retreat would provide a list of what to take, what not to take, what to avoid, and provide a bit of a medical screening before you um, before you go down there to to do that. Definitely. I'm glad to hear they would do a, a medical screening. Yes, there's there's certainly some retreats that are, um, I guess, more reputable than others in terms of um, ensuring safety. So uh, that's where I would encourage people who are interested in learning about it or potentially going down there to do their own research and, and get medical clearance from their own physician um, before doing something like that, for sure. Can you tell a story about um, what these experiences have been like for you or anyone you know? Sure. Um, some of the, uh, some of the stories are just, they're, they're hard to, they're hard to read, not in that, um, they're horrifying, but just it's, uh, the content is just unimaginable. Um, and some of the artwork that people have done, uh, following an ayahuasca trip, uh, are just, it's mind blowing. And, um, Mm. one story that really stands out to me is a musician from Australia um, he went down and he went down as a pretty negative individual. He found himself always complaining about things and, and he was just, um, he felt like he was kind of 
just sort of dragging, dragging through life. And he ended up doing um, an ayahuasca ceremony and he ended up hallucinating that his, his eyes were like pouring with fire. And um, this, this plant spirit basically told him, you know, you complain so much in your life and I'm going to show you what real pain is like. And he had this very vivid experience that fire was pouring out of his eyes and um, he felt like he was being tortured, but he has no regrets about it because he felt like on a philosophical level, it was one of the most profound perception shifting experiences he's ever gone through. Um, but he did say that, you know, if you're not prepared to look at your experience philosophically, um, you could be a candidate for post-traumatic stress disorder if you're not prepared for what could happen um, and what you may see. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's really, really remarkable and really, um, it's really out of this world. And I think that's really the point is that it's so out of this world, <laughs> what people see. I have heard that it's better to do these sorts of, have these experiences when someone is with you. Yes, um, absolutely. Having a sitter is really important. The first time you um, do any kind of hallucinogenic substance, someone who's done it before and can guide you through because I think that the anxiety of the experience is probably the most um, threatening aspect of these experiences. Um, it, it, you know, you may panic about what you're experiencing and, and having someone who's been there before is really, really crucial to, to calming that anxiety. How could people learn more about um, safe experiences for this? Um, certainly, there are numerous um, there are numerous uh, websites for people to um, to look at in terms of ayahuasca tourism or safety. Um, one of the ones that uh, I would encourage someone to look at is um, I believe it's called ayahuasca. Can you spell that out for people? Yes. Ayahuasca is spelled A-Y-A-H-U-A-S-C-A. Yeah. Yes. There is actually a website called ayahuascasafety.org. And they provide a good outline about things like food that you should avoid um, leading up to an ayahuasca retreat, um, medications, medical issues that you may have. Um, so that's a good starting place. Um, and there's certainly uh, different retreats out there that uh, emphasize um, safety and they may even have like a an American who comes down as a part of the retreat to oversee it as well, just to ensure that you have some kind of integration there from, you know, the, the indigenous world to like the Western world. So there's certainly a lot of information out there. And I really encourage people to do their research before embarking on a trip, so to speak. <laughs> un, un not intended, but yeah. <laughs> unmade. <laughs> so so uh, Jennifer, would you mind then summarizing what research has currently found about psilocybin and ayahuasca, if there is any ayahuasca research? Yes. Um, essentially, what we're finding is that the traditional medicines, aka plants like ayahuasca and ayahuasca brew um, and psilocybin, there are pretty remarkable healing properties. And in terms of our modern medicine, I think that there's a shift happening in terms of, well, you know, we've we've put these things away, we've written them off, we're declaring them dangerous, but maybe maybe they're not. Maybe there's a safe way to use these substances. And um, certainly 
populations for millennia have been using them to heal. And I think that um, what we're seeing right now is a, is a shift in our perception of what is healing, what's available to us for healing, and how can we increase access in an ethical and responsible manner. Yeah, realistically, we're, it would be probably 10 years away, I would think. That would be the minimum before oh. we could see psilocybin being used as a medical compound. Yes, I, I would agree with you. It's it's going to be a while, particularly considering it's been written off as a as an illegal substance, like taking something off that list. It takes a while, like we're seeing cannabis um, very selectively being taken off. Um, you know, the banned list and, and it's, it's growing. So I think that psilocybin may not be that far behind, but like everything, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a lot of evidence saying, look at this is how it helps people. This is how we intend to use it to help people and, um, and getting that research out there. So pretty much people could get it by participating in a clinical trial. Yes. Uh, that would be the only way in the United States. Yes, at least the only legal way uh, in the United States. Yeah, okay, you're right. <laughs> there, are, there are other ways, but I, I, I wouldn't advise that, you know, unless they each their own. But in terms of legal ways, yes, a clinical trial. And ayahuasca is murky as far as how legal it is in the United States. Yes, because DMT is illegal, which is the active compound in ayahuasca. But the plants themselves that create the ayahuasca brew are not actually illegal, but they contain the illegal substance. So it gets really messy if you attempt to do anything with those plants. So um, I would do a lot of research into that as far as um, legality and traveling to South America and what kind of options there are, because it's not illegal in South America. Well, Jennifer, thank you for coming on to the show, Psychology America. Thank you so much for having me. And enjoy your weather. You're in Texas, right? Yes, yes, I am in in South Central Texas, but I am from Ontario, Canada, so I do miss your your northeastern weather. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, we've got clouds today. Well, it was very nice to talk to you. Thanks again, Jennifer. You as well. Take care. Okay, bye. Bye Bye-bye. Do you have a friend who's going through a rough time that you'd like to cheer up? Some people will truly feel loved with small and thoughtful gifts. Consider the gift of my children's book entitled, There's Always Hope, A Story About Overcoming. It can be found at psychologyamerica.com, amazon.com, or at Sparta Books. If you've enjoyed this episode of Psychology America with Dr. Alexandra, there are a few ways that you can show your support. Order a book from psychologyamerica.com leave an awesome rating on iTunes or press subscribe to continue to receive new episodes. 